everybody took my answer again. But um, one thing that um, they they left out is um, I, th I see a lot of this as a workforce uh, development issue. Um, I know that the borough gives UAS a sixty thousand dollar grant to keep the testing center open, um, and that allows for people to get their certifications and other licenses to keep their professions going. So the borough does have an investment in workforce development, um, but to address the housing. Um, situation. Uh, I know the borough is looking at um, possibly uh, increasing the sales tax cap. If we create exemptions for construction materials, that will help out uh, business owners and developers in the community. And um, to, to spur, to spur uh, housing development, we are looking at really three main areas, Spawn Mountain, Mountain Point, and Mud Bite as the areas that we think are the best um, to provide more housing to the community. And it is about zoning, um, getting getting our properties right at Fawn Mountain and zoning them correctly so we can have duplexes and triplexes, the, the kinds of housing that is needed here for a healthy economy. So, thank you. Beginning with Rodney, a minute and 30 seconds. Would you be in favor or not of short-term rental licensing or a, limit, or a limitation system in order to make more units available to local renters? Explain any solutions you might offer. Uh, so we know that's, that's a problem, and not just here, but across the country where people are turning their homes into Airbnbs and those type of things, and it's taking rental units off the market. And the reality is, is people can make more money and have less hassles, and that's kind of why they're going in that direction. Um, you know, that's a real hard question for me to answer because I really like to put a lot of research into these type of things and get all the different user groups involved before I really make a public statement on that. So I guess what I can commit to is that going forward, uh, it's definitely worthy of discussion, but I really want to focus my efforts on bringing new housing online to, and maintaining people's ability and freedom to do what they want with their property. So I, I think that really needs to be our main focus. There's a lot of grant money rolling around out there. We're going to get our hands on some of it, and at some point, we're going to pull the trigger and just build a road or two if we need to. If we can't get these grants, and we're going to take things into our own hands. Thank you. Katie Parrott. Um, I would also uh, be in favor of taking a look at the impact um, on our community members because I know that um, property owners that are doing the vacation rentals, that's a really important part of their, um, their income. Um, and so I would want to take a look at what the impact is, um, how many units we're talking about, and what would be the, the total cost to uh, families under those circumstances. Uh, I, would, uh, I would be open to that for sure, um, especially because of how it impacts the market as a whole. Um, and it's very clear that in order to have a thriving community, we need to make sure that there's housing availability for people who, who want to live here and move here. Um, I think that uh, one of the, a couple of the ideas that we have is there's varying levels that you can apply that kind of a, of a tax, if you want to call it that, um, and be able to do some exemptions under certain things. Um, but then also I think that it's, it's also important for us to allow our community members and property owners to have decision-making over their property. Um, and some of the property owners that I know right now, myself and my husband included, are developing um, our properties in order to assist the housing market so um, and, and make that available for long-term rental. So um, uh, that would be my answer. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I'm not in support of uh, placing limits on short-term rentals. I, I think there's less aggressive ways that we can do to tackle housing. Um, I am in favor of creating some kind of permitting process um, only to um, get the collection of sales tax about half. There was a great presentation presented to us by the finance department. Um, about half of the vacation rentals are not uh, registered for sales tax, so half of them are paying and the other half are not. So to me, a permitting process would make sense to get those required local taxes um, to the borough. So that's where I kind of stand with that. Licensing, maybe, um, but uh, but regulation, no. People need to be able to do uh, with their property uh, what they want uh, within within reason. Um, one thing that uh, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah. One thing that um, that might help uh, with the long term rental um, problem is what's driving people away from long-term rentals is I, I have an apartment under my house. It was there when I bought my house, um, and, and it stayed full. And we've had uh, great renters, but I've heard real nightmare stories about uh, renters moving in and, and, and just uh, being really hard on the place. And when they're in there for a long time and you may not have visibility on it, um, that that's nerve-wracking to me, and that's the one thing that's made me think about going to a short-term rental. Um, it, maybe if we found a way to uh, empower uh, landlords um, to, to deal with uh, a bad long-term renter, um, that might bring more people uh, into the long-term rental market. And just going back to the, the previous question uh, about um, housing costs, uh, one thing I missed was uh, if, if property taxes go way high, that's just added expense for housing. So. Um, keeping property taxes low is going to be critical. We have a fun little quick hit here. This is not time. Please keep it short and sweet. Beginning with Katie, what is the most interesting and unusual thing you've done in your life that people might not be aware of? My goodness. Oh, dear. Um, during, a, oh, during a stent, uh, when I was kind of wandering, I had, I had come up to Alaska and then I had gone back down to the lower 48. I may have uh, worked for a short period of time as a bouncer. <laughs> and then I close. And the, the way that I find that this is relevant is I actually have really thick skin. You have to have you have to be tough to be able to do a job like that. So there it is. Interesting thing. Um, I think it's my love for music. I currently am taking piano lessons. Um, I just started those about five months ago uh, with Austin Hayes, great musician in town. If you never heard of him, um, and I've I've been playing drums for about twelve years now, or actually longer than that, probably fifteen. I started in seventh grade, um, and I'm twenty eight, so you do the math. Um, but uh, yeah, so music is my passion. That's one of the outlets that I relieve a lot of my stress um, is I go to KCCB and I play piano. So, and I'm currently going to buy a piano soon. So, um, that's how I decompress from my busy life. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of wild, but as wild as you can be with three kids and a wife and a home and, and a full-time job, um, I, 
when I was young, I was always putting stuff together, uh, just doing really dumb things like uh, scuba diving back into a cave with a fire extinguisher I filled up with an air compressor. Uh, and and now, now I went and got my pilot's license, and now I want to fly all sorts of things that probably shouldn't fly. And, uh, and I'm constantly uh, driving these little broken-down uh, uh trucks around as I get them fixed up. So, yeah, I just, uh, as, as wild as you can be with, uh, with a wife and kids. So one thing about being a trooper is you get to have some interesting stories. So when I was post commander at Glen Allen Post, I was working during the summer and some people came in, they were hiking on a glacier and they saw an arm sticking out of the glacier. So it was, it was up really high. We had to take a special helicopter to get up there, but long story short, turned out to be an old crash from the 1950s of some merchant mariners. And we're able to not only recover the arm, but actually get fingerprints off of it and find a ring that was in the ice near it. So, um, yeah, over the years I've had a lot of really cool stories like that, and that was definitely one of them. The next five questions will be area-wide issues, a minute and 30 seconds each. Beginning with Austin. The Ketchikan Gateway Borough Assembly voted unanimously to postpone consideration of an ordinance to increase the sales tax cap from 2000 to 12000 until the Assembly's second meeting in October on October 17th. Are you in favor of this, and why? Please explain. Um, yes, I am in favor of increasing the sales tax cap, probably to the inflation-adjusted number, about 4000 I think 10000 in one year is too much for a business and to the community to adjust to. Um, I did not agree with us postponing it. I thought that was kind of kicking the can down the road. I've been very vocal about that, and um, it kind of puts, in a, put, puts us in a lame duck session where we're not doing anything for the next three meetings. So I was unhappy that we postponed it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do favor it. I think this plan that we have of transferring the PILT from the general fund into the LEF only works if we find back revenue to put back in the general fund. So to me, increasing the pill to about 4,000, um, I think is a more comfortable number for uh, a business to be able to uh, accommodate for. So thank you. Well, my definite answer is I don't know. Um, in general, um, I would say that, uh, that raising the tax cap uh, would be a bad thing. I see that as an increase in, in taxes. Um, if we can find ways to come up with the money um, outside of raising taxes, I'm all for that. And, and we're talking about a deep dive. I think every every uh, deficit that we have is an op is an is a, an opportunity to go back and look at uh, look at everything and see where we can make cuts, where we can be more efficient. Um, so I think in general, raising taxes is a bad thing. But if we've got to um, that might be a good way to do it. Um, it would just have to, I just need to have all the information. Uh, this is Rodney. Uh, so I was in favor of postponing, and I'll tell you why. The soonest that cap could have been implemented was April anyway, so we have time to, to look into this matter further. We also don't know the effects yet of raising the cap back in 2018. Um, Austin is correct. The the PILT idea of taking the PILT and putting it in the local education fund, really that's just moving pots of money around. So you have to find a way to backfill that. The assembly may ultimately decide that uh, raising the cap is the right idea, but you need to remember that if that's not implemented until April, we're really not even going to start seeing revenue until late next year. We really don't know how much. The transfer of the PILT would be more of an immediate thing. 
And even transferring over the PILT into the local education fund, assuming that we get to the cap next year, which is highly likely, we would still have a deficit of around $200,000 that we would need to address. So I think we need to uh, we need to do some more research in this, and we do have time. Uh, we need to involve the uh, business community specifically. And then, uh, you know, we've got until April of next year to make this decision. Thank you. Um, I believe I would support a moderate increase, um, but given that uh, every, I guess, every month that something is postponed is a month that it's not implemented, that's potentially lost revenue. Um, so uh, I, I do have a question about that. Um, I think that uh, we do always have to keep in mind, though, I think it's an important point, what the impact is. What What is the impact, and was there any depressed um, economic activity that we saw as a result of the previous actions. And so one of the things that I feel very strongly about is uh, data-driven decision-making and making sure that when some of the changes are put forward, being able to have the information to evaluate what the impact was previously. Um, I think that there is some, there's some, been some great uh, progress that the borough has made in, uh, in diversifying revenue and ensuring that, you know, revenue is coming in to support uh, public services and programming. Um, and so I would uh, definitely also look to uh, borough administration and the uh, sitting borough assembly members for feedback on how to formulate those, uh, those opinions um, just because they're the experts um, and they've been doing this work for longer than I have been involved in this work. Um, so that would be my response. We just touched on this a little bit, so if you already did, feel free to elaborate. Would you be in favor of dedicating PILT funds to local education? Why or why not for a minute and 30 seconds, beginning with Titus? Yeah, so I don't really, I don't understand all of that um, quite yet, how, how PILT works. Um, it, it sounds like, um, it sounds like we, we could use PILT for other things, um, or we could apply it to the education fund. Um, like I said, I don't know 100% how that, how that funding all works. Um, like I said in the last question, um, it, uh, any chance or any, any, um, any deficit that we have is an opportunity to go back and look at everything that we've got going. We, we may be able to make things more efficient. Uh, we may be able uh, to find ways to fund this um, that doesn't require us um, using uh, using funds that would be available for, for other things. So, again, my definite answer is uh, I don't know. Uh, th this is Rodney. Uh, so, here a couple months ago, we tried to address this deficit that we've been dealing with since 2018, and no one has worked harder on trying to get this deficit addressed than I have, and I think I do get to say that because right after the last teacher contracts and we had the deficit, um, I brought forward to the assembly a whole laundry list of potential things that we could do to address it, from car rental taxes, flight scene taxes, transient occupancy taxes, you name it. Um, I also came up with the idea to dedicate 100% of tobacco tax revenue to the local education fund, which did take off about $200,000. 
The issue that I have, though, is we want to address this problem without making housing more expensive. Now, if we just move tilt from one fund to another, we're just moving pots of money around. So I'd really like to look at um, how we're going to bring in the revenue first before we start moving the money around. This is Katie. Again, uh, I already spoke about this, so I think you know how I feel about it. I do uh, support moving tilt funds into the LES. It's an allowable use of those funds. Um, I do understand that backfilling, backfilling the revenue is really important. Um, and I, I guess uh, one of the other things that I would uh, reiterate is the importance of state funding to education, to K-12 education. It is a constitutional obligation of the state of Alaska to provide for our public education system. Um, and my question to my opponent on that note would be, why hasn't he advocated more strongly to the governor, who he has a very good relationship with, for a, a solution to state funding of education. If that is the number one issue in front of the borough assembly and, and we don't want that burden to come back on our residents, why hasn't that been more of a priority? And I will tell you that for my perspective as mayor, that will be my number one priority. Thank you. If you haven't already known, I do support going into the LES. Um, we did address uh, about half of the deficit last year. Um, we cut about $150,000 uh, to the school district and increased property tax by 0.3 mil, I believe. So that brought the deficit in about half, and I think that was a good um, compromise amongst the assembly members uh, to address the deficit. Um, but I also think that, yes, tilt um, going into the uh, LEF will help stabilize it into the future. Um, and. Katie is exactly right about um, pressuring our legislature and the governor into increasing the base student allocation um, per student uh, so that we can have a flexibility on the local level to do other things with our dollars. So, thank you. A minute and 30 seconds, beginning with Rodney. For many years, the borough has granted local nonprofit funds nonprofits funds to serve our community. Please explain if you would be in favor or not of changing this process and how you would do it. Uh, so years ago, um, Ms. Pierce, who's in the audience, and myself, and once again, this is Rodney, we got together with the assistant manager at the time and we created the new grant process to give local nonprofits a say and a voice in where that grant money goes. Um, I, I've supported that over the years. In fact, there's only been one case where I've uh, disagreed with, with that, and it was more from a, uh, a money allocation standpoint that we had better things to spend our money on. Um, so, and I would like to, to go back to uh, Katie's thing about I should advocate to the governor for increased education spending. Not only have I, but we've seen that the governor has actually backpaid all of the school bond debt reimbursement. And let's be completely honest here. Between Katie and I, there's only one of us that's going to be able to participate in education meetings in the borough assembly because one of us has a conflict of interest. And that's not just me saying that. That's from a legal review that was conducted by CSG Law Group out of Fairbanks that says you have a conflict of interest and you're going to have to recuse yourself and you, and you will have divided loyalty issues and other concerns. So that's my answer.
Uh, so back to the question. This is Katie. Um, the, the nonprofits are so vital to the community, and the way that I see it, the, the role of nonprofits is really in partnership with uh, governmental services, public services, and the economic engine, which is private business. And nonprofits really work to alleviate some of the pressures that impact uh, economic development, ec impact business, and also that kind of fall within the, the gaps of public services. And so I wholeheartedly support uh, continuing the grants process um, and to allowing that process to um, allocate funds uh, to very, very important uh, service agencies in our community. And I think one of the things that uh, I'll address that has been brought up is uh, my conflict of interest. Based on borough code, there is nothing that prohibits me from serving as mayor. And actually, borough code does have a provision, it's 010508B, <laughs> um, that no district employee will be denied the ability, the right to serve as an elected municipal official. That's in borough code. Um, in terms of what I've spoken to in the past is I have one master. That is the citizens of Ketchikan. The school district and all of the business that's aligned with that impacts this community, and I can serve in that role and advocate for both. Thank you. Uh, thank you. As a nonprofit, I do apply for a borough grant that helps pay for um, my rent uh, for, for our space. Um, I do want to, to continue uh, having the process um, basically be the same. There's some, some tweaks from an applicant standpoint. Um, there's a scoring matrix that that we get back with our applicant that we we're supposed to get back with our application, but um, we currently don't. So I'd like to um, tweak that a little bit so that we can have better applications going into the future. Um, there is, I think, we are going to have a working group um, if re-elected uh, in the next few months on this that we're going to invite people from the nonprofit community uh, to come and give us a better idea how to make the uh, process more transparent and better for the applicant. And I, I would just really like to say that I, I trust the people on the grants committee making those decisions. We appoint them to those positions. They should be trusted in the work that they do, and we should keep politics out of the nonprofit uh, process. So thank you. So the grants process seems to be working for me. Um, obviously, the the, uh, the borough assembly has review of that, and I think that that's a, a vital process. We need to make sure that there's a representation uh, from the from the voters um, in the in in who gets a grant and who doesn't. Uh, that's Josh Titus for the radio. For a minute and thirty seconds, beginning with Katie. Development of Gravina Island has been a long time coming and not without expensive and animated discussions. Do you support further development and how do you envision or not Gravina Island becoming another neighborhood development within the borough? What are your ideas on the future of Gravina Island? Goodness gracious. This is Katie. That's a trick question. <laughs> um, I do support uh, the development of 
Ravina, in terms of any kind of expansion and development, I think is going to be good for the community. Um, so bringing on land that can be used, whether that's for um, other neighborhoods, subdivisions, or uh, business uh, activity is, I think, a good thing. Um, I think the cost and who bears the cost of that is something that uh, needs to be very uh, carefully considered. Um, I think that uh, there's lots of opportunity there, but again, I would want to hear from uh, the, the subject matter experts on what can be done, what should be done, what would be the most uh, economically beneficial to the community. Um, I think the last thing that we want is to uh, funnel public funds uh, or public um, time and resource into something that ultimately is not going to bear fruit for the community. Um, so I think that it needs to be really carefully considered um, in terms of what is going to be the cost benefit of those projects. And if the cost benefit is not high enough um, that it's going to produce the results we want, then I would hesitate to move forward with directing any time and resource to those kinds of projects. Thank you. Uh, this is Austin for the radio. Um, I know Trevor back there probably wants to build a bridge, but uh, <laughs> um, but I've actually had conversations with Assembly Member uh, Pierce about this. Um, it's about access, really. So some things that we could work on is creating a service area over there and having the property owners over there pay into some kind of fee so that they can have better access through the ferry. That fee could be a, a simple uh, permit or a day pass. Um, or another idea that's been thrown out there is a, uh, a public marina being built over there just to increase access. Um, we know that the bridge is probably not going to happen, unfortunately, um, and we're stuck with ferries. So, and the borough owns a ferry, so there is a lot that we can do to help develop Gravina um, in the long term. I can definitely see a service area being built over there and structuring it in such a way that they can better use uh, the ferry to get to their property. Thank you. Josh Titus. Um, so access is, I think, the biggest issue, um, and, and increasing access over there helps us in a lot of ways. Um, it gives us more land uh, to build on, um, and it also uh, gives us better access to, uh, to our airport. And through that, uh, we may increase our, uh, our tourism um, if we get additional flights in here. Um, I don't know if that's an option. Um, but, uh, but having more land over there uh, is just going to help us all around, um, and we need to find a responsible way of, of, of funding that. Um, and uh, on, top of, uh, on top of all that, um, people that live over there uh, enjoy their space. I think that's the reason that they live over there. And so we need to be mindful um, that uh, not everyone wants to be packed in. In fact, I think most of us don't want to be packed in. So we need to pay attention to the density over there. Um, light pollution is an issue. We're all looking at that island. Um, so I don't know that we want it glowing. So just things to think about um, as, as we do that, I think it would be great for our community to be able to develop Gravina. Uh, thank you. So there's actually nothing here that I would disagree with. We do have a de development plan over there and are pursuing it, and there are developers that have recently purchased some land over there in trusts, and they're also moving forward with that. But to address a uh, something that has been brought up, I need to clarify. This report from CSG Law Group, and it says, and I'm quoting, significantly, however, while this ordinance allows the election to a municipal post, it does not eliminate 
the underlying legitimate concerns of the incompatible office rule, including the high likelihood that both conflict of interest and divided loyalty issues will arise between the two positions. And so when my opponent says there's no conflict, you need to understand she's talking about no conflicts with running. She will have to give an ethics disclosure every time an education issue comes up, and there will be meetings that she will not be able to participate in. And so you're not going to be as effective as you think you are with education, respectfully. Okay, beginning with Austin, a minute and 30 seconds, kind of a hot-button topic. If you were to vote on Proposition 2 today, what would you vote for, yes or no, and please explain your reasoning. Uh, thank you. This is Austin. Um, as a borough resident living outside the city, I will be voting on this. I'll be voting no. Um, my answer is pretty straightforward. Just because we don't use or like uh, a specific municipal service, that doesn't mean that we should abolish or defund it. Uh, there's plenty of services that I don't use, like the bus system, uh, some people that don't use the swimming pool, but that doesn't mean that we should limit the bus system or that we should repeal the half-cent sales tax that goes to the rec center. So that is kind of my um, opinion on this. I hate how this has become part of this election cycle. There's so many other issues that we could be addressing, um, and this one has been extremely politicized, so I will be voting on this. Thank you. Josh Titus for the radio. Um, I live outside, and I'll be voting yes. My reasoning uh, is that 40% uh, that, um, of the funding for the library comes from the borough, um, borough residents, and um, they don't really have a say in what's presented at the library. Um, so I think it's I think it's critical that that everyone has a say. Um, that there there were some there were some some partisan thought that went into um, presenting Drag Queen Story Hour at the library, and that's ultimately what Prop 2 was put in place for. Um, and, and so um, we need, uh, the borough residents need a seat at the table um, to, uh, to help make decisions about, about what's happening at the library. Um, and I think that Prop 2 um, get, is the beginning of that, that conversation. Uh, this is Rodney. I got a little different take on it because this is a citizen's initiative and I'm currently an elected official. I personally feel it's not appropriate for me to take a position on this because no matter what I would say, it would be seen as many as trying to influence the outcome. So you need to keep in mind that a citizen's initiative is the final recourse for the public when they feel their government is not listening to them. This is the time they speak and we listen. And I like to use this analogy because when I was a cop, if a police officer stops somebody for a traffic offense and the officer and the individual couldn't agree on it, and that person decided to take it to court, I would have a real problem if my officer was then trying to call that person up and change their mind prior to the court appearance. And I would argue that most people would feel that's not appropriate. And for me, commenting on this is not appropriate. I can say that during my time as mayor, I've supported full funding of the library. I can also say that staff has indicated that if this initiative were to pass, there's other methods that he could use to fund the library. So the manager is not taking a position on this. The clerk didn't take a position on this. The city council didn't take a position on this. And I'm not going to take a position on this because it's time that we listen to what the voters have to say and then figure out what we're going to do. Thank you. 
This is Katie. Um, I am going to take a position on this because I think it goes to the well-being of the community. Um, I will be voting no on Prop 2, um, and I think um, because of the outsized impact on the library, the library and the library system for this community is so vital, and it, it extends past um, just having a physical building that's in operation to check out books. Um, the, the library supports uh, every single school district or every single school in the district, um, and I, I believe that there's a big difference between wanting a, a higher level of representation and, and, and essentially gutting the operating funds of, of the library that would result in lost jobs, uh, lost availability to what I view as a very critical service. I just The cost-benefit analysis to me doesn't pan out. Um, I also think that it's worth noting that the, you know, kind of the controversy that started this, um, the, the Drag Queen Story Hour, was the most well-attended story hour that the library, to my understanding, has had. And so, you, it's, again, you have a, a segment of the community that you may not agree with, but it's a constituency that access to public service, and I don't believe that defunding the library for that hour and a half is worth it to the community. We will keep a normal rotation for this for the sake of simplicity. For two minutes each, we invite you to have a closing statement which clearly illustrates your goals as a candidate and what makes you different from the other candidates beginning with Austin. Thank you. This is Austin. Um, what separates me from the other candidates is I do have a nonprofit background, so I think that's probably why I'm such a zealous advocate for the community. I like going to the advocacy trips with the Alaska Municipal League or Southeast Conference um, because in my organization, Ketchikan Youth Group, we're always hunting for a dollar. We're always having to uh, scrape for, for dollars as anyone that's been a part of a nonprofit. So I think that's what separates me. It makes me a good assembly member. Um, I love connecting with people in the region, um, and I love connecting with people in the community. So I'll continue to uh, keep serving on the assembly if reelected, and I'll keep doing what I um, have set up for myself. In, in nonprofit work, you often set goals for yourself for the year, and that's what I tend to do in my public office um, is I set goals for myself, certain resolutions, certain um, ordinances that I want to see passed. So um, I'd like to keep that high level of work ethic and, and also some of these issues that are coming down the pipeline. I think we have a great assembly right now. We work very well together. Um, I think we're a good family, uh, and I think we'll be able to um, overcome these issues that are coming to us. Thank you. Joshua Titus. Um, so what I think sets me apart and makes me a good candidate for borough assembly um, is that uh, I feel like I represent uh, an underrepresented um, portion of the community. Um, and that's, um, that's the, the portion of the community that has a conservative mindset. If you look at, uh, if you look at our, our voting um, in, in the last several elections, we, we tend to go conservative. But we see that in, uh, in city council and in the borough assembly, um, there's less conservative representation uh, in that assembly. We do have conservative representatives uh, in, in both those um, committees. Um, but they're, I think they're underrepresented. So, um, and, I, and the reason for that is, um, is I think we have a, a pretty silent majority. Uh, the, the conservatives tend to be out working hard. Um, they're, they're 
they're constant they're concentrating on their family their community and they don't uh, they don't go out for these positions and so um I felt like it was important uh, for me uh, to to step up and represent that portion of the community, and uh, I guess I guess we'll uh, we'll find out on, on October fourth um, whether 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 I was close or not. Um, it might be a, a name recognition, or I, I don't know. But uh, but I, that's why I'm running, and that's why I think uh, that's why I think I'll, I'll I'll represent this community well. That's Rodney. Thank you for being here today. Um, I do appreciate my opponent and the work she does for the school district. She's a good person, and I would never say otherwise. I think what this election boils down to is do you want a full-time mayor or do you want a, a mayor with a full-time job? Do you want a full-time advocate, somebody with time to invest in working with the borough staff, state and federal agencies, congressional delegations, state legislature and governor, industry, developers, someone available for various projects or a ceremonial mayor? Do you want a mayor who's attended assembly meetings consistently for three years or a mayor who, according to a recent legal review, will have a high likelihood of both conflict of interest and divided loyalty concerns, who will be unable to participate in many borough meetings, not because of a character issue, but because of what is called the incompatible office rule, is the simultaneous holding of two competing roles in local government. That's going to cause a lot of drama for the borough, and it's going to diminish our checks and balances. Um, many of the things that I've mentioned here today are not tasks that the borough manager or staff can do. I can show you my involvement and how it's helped bring in millions to this community and help save millions. We have billions in state and federal funds flowing throughout the country right now. This community needs a mayor out there arguing for every last dollar, our share every day. And my point is you can have a ceremonial mayor, but we will be missing out on a lot of opportunities. In my opinion, we outgrew a ceremonial mayor years ago, probably sometime after the Pope Mill. So I ask that you judge me based upon my accomplishments. I'm more than willing to speak individually with anyone in this community and show you what I've done and how it's helped our economy and supported stable tax rates. So I appreciate your consideration, and if I've done right by you, I'd ask for your vote. Thank you. This is Katie. Um, I want to thank the Chamber for hosting this and for having this opportunity for us to speak. Um, I think uh, I had planned a different kind of closing statement, but I feel compelled to respond to some of the uh, concerns that were brought up. Uh, my primary concern is being the kind of leader in this community that serves the, the whole community and, and listens and represents uh, in, in the tradition of the role that's outlined in borough code, and I, I want to reiterate that. It's not for one individual elected official to determine that the role needs to be different. That's been long established for this community, and it should go through a process if, if there's going to be something different that, that's uh, put to the, to the people. Um, I want to mention that there's a reason why my opponent sought a private uh, legal opinion that he presumably paid for um, with regard to the conflict of interest. Um, and I also want to this is important enough to me that I am willing to make a change for this community if there's a perceived conflict of interest. I have a legal opinion that says there is no legal conflict of interest. However, I understand that the public trust 
is of the utmost, and under the circumstances, I'm willing to make a change if that's what the community wants. I'm running because I was asked to run. I'm running because the people that asked me to run, I admire, I respect, um, and if they believe that I'm the kind of leadership that this community deserves to lead us into the future, then I'm willing to do it. Um, I will serve to the best of my ability. I, anyone who knows me and who's worked with me knows I give 110%. I give every drop, sometimes at the detriment of my personal life and my family. And that's what I'm willing to provide to Ketchikan. Thank you. Okay, well, thank everybody for coming out, and thank you to the candidates. That will conclude our forum today.